Russia blows up the Kakhovka Dam and creates a huge environmental disaster. You're listening to the podcast Explain Ukraine. On June 6th, Russia blew up the dam of the Kakhovka hydropower plant in southern Ukraine. This act of geopolitical terrorism produces a major environmental disaster for decades to come. It also puts the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, the biggest NPP in Europe, at a significant risk. We have recorded a Twitter space to discuss this tragedy based on our conversations with the Ukrainian experts and journalists. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko, I'm the chief editor of Ukraine World. I'm joined by Maxim Panchenko, journalist and analyst at Ukraine World. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. You can support us at patreon.com slash ukraineworld. So here is our Twitter space. Okay, everybody, let's let's discuss, let's start our Twitter space. My name is Volodymyr Yervolenko. I am chief editor of Ukraine World, and um, uh, I'm joined by my colleague Maxim Panchenko, uh, who is an uh, expert and analyst at Ukraine World. Uh, I hope uh, we will also be joined by our colleague Anastasia Harrisonchuk. So what we did today, we, we tried to ask several experts uh, in different fields in Ukraine, in the fields of energy, in the fields of environment, in the fields of um, uh, urban studies to understand what can be the impact of this, uh, of this disaster. Let me remind that this night, this was a major uh, disaster, major explosion on Kachovka Dam and... Uh, it's all, all the all the signs point at the fact that this is the the crime, the war crime of the Russian troops who uh, are occupying the Kachovka uh, hydro power plant, um, and uh, the huge uh, amount of water uh, is now flowing down the river Dnipro and uh, causing a major environmental disaster, which has several. Uh, several elements and several dimensions. Um, let me say that uh, it's it's important to to be in the context of uh, of everything. Uh, so why Kachovka uh, water reserve is is important because it is used as a major cooling facility for um, you know, Europe's biggest nuclear power plant, which is upper. Uh, uh, upper of the place of the Kachovka Dam uh, in Enerhodar uh, in Zaporizhia Oblast, the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. So it is also important to take this into, into consideration. Uh, Zaporizhia nuclear power plant is also uh, occupied by the Russian troops uh, since the uh, full-scale invasion. Also, we need to understand that these places are <clears throat> very symbolic Ukrainian places, the places of Ukrainian history, because this is the the, the, the space from Zaporizhia to to Nikopol and, and then down to Kachovka, very important symbolic place, historical place for Ukrainian history. This is so-called Veliki Luch, the Great Meadow, where the Ukrainian Cossacks were located mainly down the river from Zaporizhia. 
down the Dnieper River, which actually formed a very, very unique ecosystem. And this ecosystem, which which was formed by the uh, by Dnipro River, by the these meadows, by uh, by this by this uh, Ukrainian steppe, it was uh, destroyed by the construction of the Kachovka, Kachovka uh, hydropower plant in the 1950s, and um, therefore many of these Cossack places have actually appeared under the water. So we can discuss whether you know this industrialization, Soviet industrialization, whether it brought good things or bad things. In many aspects, it was it brought bad things. But now we are facing a situation where where this transformation of this ecosystem, which happened in the 1950s, and it's, as some scientists are saying that it took several decades for this transformation of ecosystem for the ecosystems to adapt. Um, this transformation is now like uh, the ecosystem will need to go through another transformation. And uh, it, it can again take several decades uh, because, because of the several aspects. And uh, it is important that we keep, keep that in mind. Uh, what we hear from the locals, we contacted several local journalists who are in Kherson. Kherson, let me remind you, uh, was retaken by the Ukrainian troops in November 2022, uh, but it still was very much shelled by the Russian troops from the left bank of the Dnipro River. We have been to Kherson in December, just after the major artillery strike on civilians. There was another major artillery strike in May on supermarkets, on markets, uh, on uh, the places of of people, uh, of uh, concentration of people. So Kherson is still a very dangerous place. And uh, what we hear from the locals is that parts of Kherson really suffered from the huge flood, which is in which some places like the district, which is called Ostrov, the the water went up like tw- uh, two and a half meters high or three meters high. And you see from many videos that uh, some of the f- full houses are being uh, underwater. Uh, some of the r- roads, some of the streets are under underwater. According to a journalist to whom we talked from Kherson, 1,300 people have been already evacuated and uh, people on the ground tell us that, well, the morale of the people is quite, quite calm. There is no panic and that there is a joint work by municipal power, by the police, local police to evacuate people with buses. Um, the the problem is of Kherson, but the problem of many other villages and, and, and uh, around the place, like uh, one of them, Kozatske, for example, is just near the dam. And uh, um, most probably it's really suffered very much from the, from the flood. Um, let's talk about the possible impact on this and let's i think one of the uh, first question is how it will impact the um, the zaporizhia nuclear power plant which is located a little a little bit higher of the kachovka dam 
And uh, we have been actually a few months ago in, in Nikopol, which is in front of the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant in Enerhodar. Um, so it's, it's really close. It's just six kilometers from Nikopol. And of course, the question is whether whether the cooling is enough to to maintain the the work of the uh, Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. Uh, I will invite my colleague Maxim Panchenko, who talked to uh, to Victoria Wojcicka, a Ukrainian uh, former member of parliament and um, energy expert. Uh, Maxim, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. Thank you for the introduction of this topic. Uh, yes, uh, if you don't object, I'll take it from here. So indeed, the major preoccupation uh, is the Zaporizhzhia nuclear power plant because of the water supply, which now can be limited uh, due to the large scale uh, outflow of water from the reservoir that was feeding the uh, nuclear power plant. And um, indeed, after I talked to Victoria, she told me that uh, there are the three different uh, groups of problems that uh, this uh, event of this night uh, created. Those were those were the immediate fallout, uh, the things that we are dealing with today. Those are the issues uh, related to the supply of the water to Crimea, and of course the biggest one and the, for the entire world uh, is uh, what's going to happen at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. Uh, basically, uh, the news that I got from Victoria are a little bit calmer than uh, have been uh, circulating the media this uh, this morning and for the entirety of today's day, uh, because according to her, uh, the amount of water that is being stored now at the very facilities of the nuclear power plant uh, is enough to uh, for quite a long time for the nuclear power plant to be self-sufficient in the supply of that water. Now, it could get tricky during the summer because everything depends on how hot the summer is going to be and, of course, how quickly, in that sense, the water that is being stored at the power plant is going to evaporate. But generally, if the conditions are going to be, um, well, uh, not mediocre, but what's the word for that? Uh, the the amount of water is going to suffice for the medium time perspective, and even if there are problems uh, with the quicker operation or the bigger out, outflow of water than expected due to this uh, blow up of the dam, uh, still Ukraine has uh, several, at least two, basically uh, uh, scenarios like alternative protocols, one could say, uh, to provide for that uh, water supply, alternative water supply to the nuclear power plant. And uh, But again, uh, their use of this alternative protocols would be tricky because, uh, as you will see from the details I'm going to provide in a second, they largely... De uh, they depend largely uh, on the goodwill of the occupants. So here is the deal. The first of the alternative um, of the alternative uh, uh, scenarios, the protocols that Ukraine could use, would be that uh, unless the nuclear power plant has access to the water reservoir, which is now gone, uh, there is a protocol for the mobile something that is called mobile pumping stations that can be deployed near the nuclear power plant 
And uh, there are hoses that can be attached to those pumping stations, and they can be uh, put into the uh, very estuary of the Dnieper River. So basically, uh, the nuclear power plant has facilities to extend the hoses into the very uh, Dnipro River uh, estuary. However, this would mean that those hoses would have to be deployed from the very nuclear power plant, and that, of course, would have to be done either by Russians, so everybody, not just Ukrainians, but the entire world that wants to avoid this catastrophe, would have to rely on Russians doing that, or Ukrainian specialists would have to travel under some sort of Russian guarantees for these humanitarian purposes to the occupied station and to put that uh, scenario in motion. Now, this is even more tricky because, as we know, uh, Russian, the Russian-controlled bank of the Dnipro River uh, has been mined. Russians has, have put mines on the, uh, on, their, uh, on the bank of the Dnipro River they control. And for this entire scenario that I have just related to you, uh, for it to work, uh, Russians would have to first demine that portion of the coast of the bank of Dnipro, and then deploy those hoses. And this is a big if Russia is going to give in to the pressure of the, of the international community of Ukraine <coughs> in the face of this vulnerability they would be exposing, militarily-wise, I mean. And uh, so, of course, uh, so my point being here is that during the construction of the nuclear power plant, several different uh, alternative protocols have been ensured and from from the part on the part of ukraine ukraine can do everything that had been guaranteed by uh, by the design of these protocols now how successfully they could be uh, employed here will depend on uh, russia and the third uh, the third overall uh, source <laughs> and the second alternative uh, alternative scenario here would be to uh, similarly use other water basins, not the river basin, but the wells and the other water sources that are on the left bank of the uh, Dnipro River and in the proximity of the nuclear power plant. But again, this would depend on the goodwill of Russians. Thank you, Maxim. Uh, again, this is this is what uh, the results of our talk with, with Victoria Wojcicka. Uh, I hope we transferred her uh, thoughts correctly, but you can see that. Well, the, we are we are closer, even if uh, even if uh, uh, up to this moment the uh, the cooling system um, the cooling system is functioning. But we are, of course, with this uh, major explosion, we are closer to a even bigger uh, disaster. So in Ukraine, um, the this blow up of Kachovka Dam is now today compared to Chernobyl disaster, not in terms of uh, nuclear or radiation, but in terms of these long-term consequences for ecosystems, which are which I already mentioned. But uh, the nuclear disaster can also be close. So it is also something that we should keep in mind. Uh, one of the things that we we got from uh, from a geography expert in Kherson is that uh, the 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 there can be changes in the water mix uh, in in Dnipro River. 
they can be more salty water, for example, uh, in Dnipro River because of because of the explosion, and this can, uh, of course, produce the changes of ecosystem. This can also um, this can also result into the lesser number of water for uh, for agriculture in this region uh, and um, this can produce long-term consequences again so uh, one of the conclusions that that can be made that, that, that there is a risk that uh, agriculture in this region which is really dependent on on water which was really dependent on channels uh, on irrigation irrigational waters and those those agriculture products that have been cultivated here they can face uh, they can face problems right now because the water have been taken from this kahovka um, water reserve and uh, if when it is destroyed and the water uh, the, the river water is mixed with the more salty water down the river which is closer to the sea that can produce problems for, for irrigation and uh, this means actually that um, uh, that uh, Ukraine can produce even lesser number of food and we have already seen that there is a huge problem of exportation of Ukrainian food worldwide uh, it doesn't it will not mean that Ukraine will produce less food for itself because it consumes much lesser number of wheat for example than it produces I think it, it, it consumes about 20 million tons co compared to uh, export uh, consumes 20 million tons compared to uh, production of 80 million tons but uh, uh, these problems with irrigation in these parts of Ukraine, southern parts of Ukraine, take into account that major parts of southern uh, Ukraine are, have been occupied in Zaporizhia, Donetsk Oblast and Kherson Oblast by the Russians. But uh, those parts that are still controlled by Ukrainians uh, can also be less productive in terms of uh, in terms of agriculture production another thing is of course that okay we are now facing a uh, upper upper levels of water down the river um, ukrainian authorities say that this can last for a few days more uh, certainly tomorrow maybe four days so we can face a situation when more towns and villages down the river will be flooded. But then, of course, I mean, the water will lower at some moment. But if we're talking about the region of the Kachovka uh, water reserve or even upper, upper the river in Zaporizhia, uh we can we can be facing a situation when the water will lower uh, the, the levels of water will be lower and for example all these remnants of the organisms will that were were under the water uh, uh, under the water they will appear upper they will appear not in the water and this can also produce problems with, uh, with sanitary elements and uh, with sanitary situation and and other things so we should also take this into into account uh okay so this is this is nearly it that we 
wanted to um to to discuss with you so maybe if you have any questions we will try to uh, respond to them um but uh, for us of course for ukrainians this is a major environmental disaster which is produced by the russian troops and um who were occupying the Kakhovka uh, uh, hydropower plant. And for you to understand the geographic, e- geographic element of it is that this was that bridge, Kakhovka dam was also um, an element in the, is element in the infrastructure because as the Antonivsky bridge uh, in Kherson is uh, demolished, d- damaged, uh, Russians were afraid that uh, Ukrainians will uh, will go and cross the Dnipro River through the uh, breach of the Kakhovka Dam, and this was one of the probably was one of the these elements, one of the reasons why this why they blew it up. Mm, but it uh, certainly will also produce problems for the Russians themselves because. The supply of water to Crimea will be very complicated right now uh, because the water was connected. The supply routes of water to Crimea have been connected to Kakhovka uh, water reserve. Another thing is that the flood is also going to the left bank on the, of the Dnipro River. And uh, as we hear from the Ukrainian authorities, they can also uh, have an impact on on the Russian positions on the left bank. Maxim, maybe you would like to add something to what I say. Well, uh, this would be very chaotic things, but still several remarks along the way uh, that I wanted to do uh, with regard to what you said, because there have been some analytics that, uh, as of we have uh, been learning today, I have also uh, seen some of the pieces and First of all, there is uh, an uh, OSINT research group in Formula Palm, and they say in their estimation that uh, what happened today uh, on the dam can be an equivalent in its um, in its fallout with regard to economic and economic destruction it can ensue. Uh, these uh, events can be uh, seen as an equivalent of uh, an explosion of a 5 to 10 kiloton uh, tactic nuclear uh, weapon because of how much uh, environmental damage it brings. And this is uh, this estimation refers to the ecological damage that Volodymyr has been uh, detailing in his speech because uh, indeed all of those uh, all of those elements, all of those waste elements that had been uh, dug deep into the into the ground in the region and are going to be dug out and to contaminate not just the immediate proximity of the of Kherson of the, of the Novakhovka dam, but also more broadly uh, even into the uh, Black Sea. And also with regard to the estimation of how this is going to impact uh, the crops of Ukraine, there is information. Uh, there is infographics basically shared by Ukraine's Ministry of the Environmental Protection who say, who have already estimated that the uh, expected uh, diminishment of the level of water in the reservoir is going to lead to as much as 14% uh, decrease 
of Ukraine's export potential uh, when it comes to Ukrainian grains. And Ukrainian grains is something that this is the major, which is the major exports of, uh, of, of the country. So this is a, quite a huge number, 14%. So this is just several, well, case studies in a way, yes, case examples of what is going to happen uh, as a fallout of this. Uh, of this happening uh, today. So this should not be underestimated. That would be, of course, the conclusion here. To continue this question of environmental disaster, we also talked to um, uh, Anatoly Pavelko, who is environmental scientist at human rights organization Environment People Law. And you can read a, a little thread on our Twitter, Ukraine World Twitter, so uh, what we take from it is that, of course, there is a problem of water pollution because garbage, wastewater, agrochemicals from flooded areas might get into the Dnieper River and, um, and finally to the Black Sea. And um, this also will complicate, can complicate the conventional water purification methods, right? Another question is fauna, because the the habitat is uh, for aqua uh, aquatic biota is disrupted, and the flood wave leads to washing away of uh, uh, those creatures who are not able to move in the rapid rapid current. So th there is there is a, a question of the endangerment of of species. And the mine threats, because the flood wave might complicate the situation with mining, because some of the mines are located in the coastal areas of Kherson Oblast, and they can be washed away and drift to other places. So uh, let's let's remember that this is a war zone, and uh, of course the, the fields are mined. Uh, the fields are mined on 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 the both banks of of the Dnieper River. And there is also a speculation uh, whether who is responsible, whether it's Ukrainians or, or Russians. And for us, it is obvious that this is a Russians, uh, Russian attack, Russian terrorist act, because we have the, the, had information for many much time that Kachovka Dam has been mined. And uh, uh, the Russians are con have been controlling the dam, so it's pretty easy for them to blow it up uh, and uh, for Ukrainians there is no no logic to actually attack it because as I said uh, the Kachovka dam is one of those um, elements infrastructure elements which Ukraine was hoping to use to get to the other side of the Dnieper river because of the uh, damage of the Antonievsky mist in Kherson and uh, the tactics was that there will be um, similar tactics as Ukrainians have liberated Kherson. So rather to exhaust the Russian logistics uh, and to push Russians uh, from, uh, from this place, uh, force them to leave. That was actually the Ukrainian tactics for, for many, many months. Uh, of course, f for now, for Ukrainians to have this major environmental disaster, to have such a big damage to uh, agriculture, to ecology, to environment, this is, makes this hypothesis of any Ukrainian involvement, for me personally, absolutely absurd. So uh, we should keep that in mind. Another thing 
interesting, curious thing is that my colleagues, our colleagues are studying this, is how the Russian information space was reacting to this, how all these telegram channels were covering the story. And the thing is that initially they denied that something happened. Um, and uh, one of the hypotheses was that they could uh, have planned something, but not in such a big scale. And then uh, they denied that anything happened. Um, and, um, and, and, and then when they realized the, the scope of it, they, of course, started blaming Ukrainians for doing this. So, uh, so this is the context of all this. And um, as, as I said, we will most probably have the consequences of this disaster for many, many decades uh, because of the situation that I that we described to you, because the ecosystem of the region was already changed through the construction of this dam, uh, uh, which get, had both positive and negative impacts for the ecosystems. But ecosystems have adapted for many many decades for it. What will happen now? How they will adapt? What it will produce? We cannot even imagine how many animals will will die because of that, how many fish will die uh, because of different reasons. In some places, because of over over the bigger number, the bigger level of water in some places, so because of the lowering levels of water. So, yeah, this is really a, a very dark day for Ukraine today. There is a question in the chat at this point. What is the end game for Putin? I'm in America and it just seems like he's destroying anything worth having in Ukraine. Yes, we have this impression too, uh, unfortunately, the way how Russians are waging this war. We're traveling across Ukraine a lot. We're going to the to the frontline places, to the frontline villages. Uh, the way how they wage this war, they don't, don't count human lives. They don't actually, they they don't, they say they liberate cities, but they actually destroy cities. They do it with Mariupol, they did it with Bakhmut, they they, they were doing it with Lysychansk. So, so there is this very much necrophilic element in, in the way how Russian army behaves itself. And... Uh, uh, Unfortunately, this is the case. So for, for us, for Ukrainians, this is not a war for territories, or this is not a war for... not. This is primarily the war for people, obviously, but also for human lives, and not only human lives, because those videos that we have seen from Kherson today, when people were holding their animals on hands, trying to save them, trying to save dogs, and there are lots of activities also right now of volunteers going to these places, not only to evacuate people, but also to evacuate pets and animals. And this is all also very humane and very touching. But on the other side, on the other side, we see that army that doesn't doesn't really care about this. All this doesn't really care about human lives. Doesn't care about biodiversity. Doesn't doesn't care about uh, ecosystems. So this is a real ecocide. What is happening right now? So we have been talking about genocide, uh, elements of genocides, and uh, as you know, uh, the, the the demolishment of dams is uh, is one of the war crimes that 
that it is of course prohibited by international conventions because it produces such as such massive disasters and uh, apart from the elements of genocide that we see in this war we also see the huge element of ecocide and i think this is what happened today is is clear uh, clear testimony of this what putin wants is he certainly wants to uh, uh, annihilate Ukraine, to destroy Ukraine. He will not achieve that because all his actions to do that were actually useless. Uh, he was trying to attack the civilian infrastructure since October, November, uh, and uh, it, it didn't help. So Ukrainians are very firm. Ukrainians are very, uh, very strong to, uh, to continue resisting. Uh, and it's kind of what happens today is also an act of despair. Uh, he cannot do anything with the Ukrainian army. He is afraid of Ukrainian counteroffensive. He is afraid of, of the fact that Ukrainians will enter Crimea. So he's doing such things, such nihilistic and uh, disastrous and I would say necrophilic things. But um, but that means that our war against Putin is a war against this very necrophilic and biophobic ideology which is now reigning in, in in the Kremlin. So colleagues, if you don't have any questions, we hope that this Twitter space has, has given you some clarity and we will follow the, the topic closely. You can follow our Twitter. We try to talk to experts and, and do very short uh, analytic briefs, uh, analytic threats um to to clarify the situation so please follow us and stay with us and stand with ukraine this was a podcast explaining ukraine by ukraine world a website in english about ukraine my name is Volodymyr yermolenko i'm ukrainian philosopher and journalist the chief editor of ukraine world in this twitter space I was joined by Maxim Panchenko, journalist and analyst at Ukraine World. Let me remind you that Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs, and you can support us at patreon.com slash Ukraine World. Stay with us and stand with Ukraine.